Welcome to Crosstalk, following Jesus together. I'm your host, Dave Sherrill, and we have a special guest with us this week. I'm Pastor Kevin. This episode is about reflections on ministry in Siouxland, 10 years of vocational ministry at First Ephree. Uh, Pastor just recently celebrated 10 years with us, uh, so we thought we'd pick his brain really honestly, uh, kind of thinking about how the last year uh, has has worked with the pandemic. It's really cut down a lot on our uh, our impromptu meals together and a lot of uh, friendship sharing face-to-face. Uh, so we thought we'd look back, look now, and look forward, uh, you know, in commemoration of 10 years serving with us and uh, just a chance for you to kind of hear the ideas that are jumbling around in Pastor's head. So, um Let's let's start with the main discussion. Looking back, looking back, when you reflect on the last decade, ten years of vocational ministry here, you were in ministry positions uh, in other churches prior to this, uh, but this is your senior pastor position, your solo pastor position, and it's been ten years. And what? So looking back at that, do you have? you know, maybe something personal and something you see in the church that you'd like to highlight out of those 10 years? Yeah. Um, maybe the first one is that it's been 10 years. I mean, who would have guessed, right? So <laughs> a lot has changed. That's for sure. Both me, the church, um, you know, this would be another discussion, but I think even societally, um, much has changed in 10 years. So, all right. What have, what have I noticed though? What, where would I go? Um, you know, as you mentioned, I came to the church. This was, um, I had served in a church before as an associate pastor, but this, you know, it's, uh, I am the pastor there at first E free, the, the, the only, so the senior, the junior, the associate, the, the, you know, whatever else. And, um, I came really with the vision and the picture of Paul's words to Timothy in mind. You know, out of 1 Timothy chapter 4, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And, um, you know, it wasn't too many Sundays ago that, uh, you know, I mentioned that uh, during a church service as well. But one thing I would say is that mission, I think, applies to every pastor everywhere, no matter how long or short that they've been, um, wherever wherever the Lord's called them to. And so I still very much see that as um, my calling, my role here at First E Free. So, you know, I came kind of with that mentality of, okay, here's the young pastor, um, you know, what, what do I know? Well, okay, you know, go to the word. Um, but at the same time that that doesn't change, um, going to the word is what I'm called to do. It's what every pastor is called to do. That said though, um, I think the second half there of verse 12 explains how to set an example and looking in the past, that is one thing I have tried to consistently do with how I speak, with how I 
act, um, how I care for uh, the, the folks of the church, uh, how I believe, you know, how I react when things are not always going well, and, and they're not. Um, that's true anywhere and everywhere. Um, and, you know, even with how I conduct my life, my marriage, uh, raising my children. And over the last 10 years, what my hope has been is that the church has seen someone who isn't, uh, certainly not perfect by any means. And, and I don't, you know, sometimes I think as pastors, you're supposed to say that, but it's like a humble brag. You know, like, well, I'm not perfect. I mean, I only got up at 5 a.m. to pray instead of 4 a.m. No, I, I don't mean it that way. I still, uh, I still sin. I still fall short in, in many ways, quite honestly. Um, but what I have noticed even in myself, and I pray others are noticing it too, is how much I've grown over 10 years. Uh, things that would have really thrown me for a loop Um just don't now, or at least not in the same way. I mean, I shudder to think what COVID would have looked like if that had come, say, the the second year that I was at First E Free. I'm I'm not sure I would have handled it as you know. However, however, I think I've handled it now. I'm I'm pretty sure it would have been much worse, or at least not as not as Christ focused. Um, so that would be the personal observation that that I would have, not in any bragging way, but simply in a God is so good that he would mature and grow someone as as stubborn and as set in his ways as me. And I look forward to seeing what he's going to keep doing with that. Um, you know, kind of on a on a church level, what I've seen over the past decade is um, a real growing love for one another. And by that, I don't mean that there was no, no love for each other before. I'm, I'm, of course, not saying that. But especially now with COVID, I think COVID has really highlighted how that has been growing over the years. It's as if suddenly we've hit the stress test. And what we're finding, again, isn't perfection by any means, um, but at the same time, I'm seeing a lot of very God-honoring, Christ-honoring, um, sacrificial, servant-hearted, loving one another kinds of attitudes and actions. And that's encouraging to me. Because when I look around at the, the world around us, I, 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 don't see, I don't see that that's a priority. I, I mean, I do see folks doing that, even certainly non-Christians trying to love each other. And, um, but it seems like our society is more bent on, on individualism and how we can divide and how we can um, be different. And what's been a wonderful blessing for me is to see our church really, really grasp hold of this idea of being disciples and how that means we serve one another how that means we care for each other, even when it's not convenient or easy, or even when we don't agree, say, um, politically, or with what the church should do in, in this or that or the other situation. Um, I think as well, maybe one final comment, and then I'll, I'll toss it back to you, would be one clear change I've seen over the last decade is an, an expectation for how and why we're doing ministry. Um, one thing I, I just came to the church convinced by, as I know many people 
here at the church we're already convinced by is we have a mission and the mission isn't just to exist and it's not just to um you know kind of have a nice place to go on sunday where we can talk about the bible but instead the mission is to be disciples of jesus christ who would then go on to make disciples of jesus christ and so that's something that's been reinforced not only by me, but by many of our ministry leaders um, on Sunday mornings, on Wednesdays, in the different Bible studies. And I'm hearing more of that language when folks are talking to each other or when they're considering what should our church be doing or spending money and time on or training volunteers for. Um, discipleship is certainly now something that's becoming very front and center and I think that's really God honoring and I'm excited to see where it'll go. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it always feels a little clumsy, uh, a 10 year reflection back and you got to talk about yourself. So I appreciate your, you know, your humility and your, your, your uh, transparency. Hmm. Um, and, and it isn't just a chance for us to put you up on a pedestal and make an idol out of you. Uh, but it is, I mean, we, we have to kind of hear what's jumbling around in your head, what's going on in your heart. And uh, I appreciate what you've shared, the, the direction, the choices you make with intentional living, with a biblical bent to it. Uh, it's not just intentional, but it's intentional, shaped and formed and directed uh, based on what you see in the scriptures. And that, I think that's a really solid example to set for our people. It is not something that's going to um, be as as temporary as wherever the wind is blowing today. The scripture have the scriptures have an enduring quality about them, uh, far beyond just our immediate circumstances, and they can shape our life across decades. Uh, and corporately, I, I appreciate what you you observe there. Uh, so as you've come into the church in your leadership position. And we've talked more and more about disciple making, being disciples and making disciples. Uh, I think that repetition has been helpful for us. I think it's biblical, uh, so that's uh, even better. Uh, and that uh, this will be an enduring legacy and impact upon our local body that we're going to see um, for, for a long time to come. This yeah. awareness and this desire and this pursuit of being and making disciples. And you called out of something that's uh, maybe obvious, but uh, challenging in you know, when we consider today's culture, being and making disciples means we have to be with people and care for people who are different than us. Uh, they may have different opinions about things, uh, different, uh, ranging from soup to nuts, everything you can imagine people have opinions on. And what we see in the culture is division, canceling, all kinds of those uh, negative uh, relationship breaking uh, attitudes coming into almost every discussion, really, about nearly everything. And yet, uh, we're, we're seeking to lead the church in this direction of, of unity, even in the midst of diversity of opinion. And uh, that's a God-given thing that we're making any progress there. And I believe it is God's blessing on us to help continue to grow us in that direction. 
So as we think about uh, that, that gave you a chance to look back for 10 years and give us a personal, give us a personal and a corporate view. Um, but kind of presently or just across the last 10 years, what's one of the best parts that you've ever latched onto about being a pastor? Yeah, that's a good question. And when you sent me the the questions for what we're going to talk about, that's one that I, um, you know, I I really spent a lot of time trying to think through. Okay, how how would I answer that? <laughs> because there's uh, a lot of great parts of being a pastor, um, you know. And I'll I'll say some that are personal, but also you know, it's not just about how do I benefit. It's um, in in what ways do I think that joy can be shared with the church. So, um, you know, one, this might be stating the obvious, but sometimes the obvious really matters. And it's that I get to spend each day learning how to better depend upon Jesus and to help others to grow in him also. I, I mean, I, I understand that sounds incredibly basic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, no, that's amazing. And and what's more that that I get to do that full time. Um, I think sometimes we assume that, oh, of course, the pastor does that full time. That's really not true in a lot of areas of the world, even today. And, and I would say it's not true even in a lot of areas of, you know, where we're at, Northwest Iowa, even today. Um, so that's a privilege. Uh, you know, I was just recently doing some reading in the book of Acts, and I was struck again out of Acts chapter 6. You get this scene of um, there's there's some widows in the church, and there's some concerns about if they're being served well, and how's this going to be done. And the, uh, in essence, deacons get appointed. That's how they do this. But part of the reason why is that these apostles really have such a high view of their calling to the word and to prayer. So it doesn't mean that other needs aren't important, but they see that this is the unique way God has called them to serve God's people. You know, they say in uh, chapter six, verse four, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And I mean, don't get me wrong, by no means am I an apostle. I don't, I don't think that's an, an open office anymore or anything like that. But I do see that those are two priorities that um, I am uniquely called to serve the church in by serving the Lord in. And so, yeah, that I would get to spend um, so much time preparing a sermon or, you know, depending on the week, Sunday school lessons or, or for the growth groups or, or what have you, um, to really lay out a banquet so that when the people of God come, they can feast on what matters. Um, that's, that's a blessing. It really is. And that's something that I enjoy doing it. And I believe the Lord uses it in the lives of his people. And so then from the church perspective, with you know, kind of in the same vein, um, you know, one of the joys of being a pastor, I think, is to show people what a pastor is and what a pastor does. And I say that because I think there are a lot of very 
either outright wrong views of of pastors and churches, um, you know, usually given by by media, by Hollywood, by whatever, you know, in every movie. Um, I, I tell you, as a pastor, it is just cringeworthy to watch almost always how pastors are are depicted in movies or in TV shows or um, and the problem is that that's not what's needed. Um, you know, to go back to the the meal analogy, you know, what I get to set before the people of God is not just a bunch of um, pizza and Doritos and and Coke um, or Mountain Dew for those who happen to like that drink. But I mean, that might be what what we want. That might be what our culture says, but it's not actually what's best. And so notice when I talk about the joys of being a pastor, it's not running meetings. It's not coming up with other programs. It's not, you know, don't misunderstand. Those things can be very much part of the calling. Um, but in contrast to what so much of being a pastor is in popular culture, you know, organizing people, building a, a brand, a personal identity, um, you know, kind of being a public speaker or a motivational speaker or even a counselor. Um, instead, the Lord's given me a real joy for his word and for prayer and setting that before his people. And so I think that's something um, to celebrate, really. That's the pattern we have seen down through the centuries. Yeah, I think it is a, a healthy emphasis that you you put upon the scriptures uh, in your public preaching of it and your teaching of it. Uh, and like you say, uh, it's not the way we're influenced by so many other uh, feeds that we have in our life. Uh, it doesn't emphasize the, the God-given wisdom in his scriptures as what to be the, as the thing to be pursued. Uh, but yet you demonstrate week after week that the word is living, it's active, it has, it is applicable to today's life, uh, and it has uh, enduring impact upon us far beyond the temporary uh, shiny objects of the day in our culture. We've looked backwards. We've, we've looked at today. Where do you hope to be? What do you see coming? What do you want to emphasize that you see personally and, and uh, in, for the church uh, in the next five to 10 years? Well, I'm certainly no prophet. Um, I don't have a, uh, you know, a, a phone a friend with God where he'll, he'll tell me that. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to shoot in some broad generalities. How about that? Um, you know, I think personally, um, going back to First Timothy, one of those pictures that we see um, is that what the church needs most is not for me to become a great organizational manager, leader um, sort of person, though I would freely admit the church could probably benefit from that. Um, but again, out of that 1 Timothy 4 passage, one of the things that Paul tells Timothy in verse 15 is practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. And so what I pray for, what I'm working towards, what I'm giving my time towards is I'd like to get 
you know, whatever the Lord would, would allow five, 10 more years down the road and have folks look and see an example of a man who is not, not perfect, but is growing in grace, um, that I would be growing and maturing with how I handle the word, with how I care for God's people, with having, yes, confidence, but, but in equal measure, having a greater and greater humility. Um, I once heard a pastor say that what, what God's people need most is the pastor's own personal holiness. And I, I realize, you know, we could spend a long time asking, okay, what exactly does that mean? And but what I mean is, um, in some ways, I think what Paul is saying here is that the pastor needs to be a faithful example of how to actually do this Christian life. And, and when, when it's not done well, how to seek the Lord for forgiveness, how to repent, how to say to, to others, please forgive me. And, and I think that is um, that personal lived out example is something that's desperately needed and something that Lord willing, um, I, I hope to be able to grow in. Um, as far as the church at self then what i would say is um you know what i'm what i would love to see um is for us as a church to have a contagious fiery passionate overflowing joy at being and making disciples like almost um if I can use the word chaotic, almost chaotic in that sense, because it's so amazing of folks are growing and, hey, I'm, I'm talking to my neighbor, but he said this and what do I do? And, oh, pastor, you know, can you pray for me with what I'm doing over here at my workplace or with my classmates or, um, and I know some of that's happening, so don't, don't misunderstand me, um, but that it would be front and center, that it would be what we're known for in Sioux City is, hey, here's a church that, I mean, they're kind of weird, but they're weird in that that following Jesus sort of way. Um, so that's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm what I'm hoping uh, that we will see in greater and larger measure here in the coming years. Yeah, it's always a challenge when you're asked about where do you see things going to even say anything. Uh, if it, it, if the last two years has proven anything, it's a word we don't know where we're going. Uh, but the goal that you set is certainly well worthy uh, that we should be called to do, to live in such a way. Well, and if I could even just kind of add a, add a footnote for a couple seconds, it would be notice what I didn't say. Um, it's, it's not that we're going to grow, um, you know, as far as influencing the city on like an economic level or, or a political level or, uh, you know, any of these other sorts of organizational things. I mean, what the world needs from Christians ultimately is to see people trying to follow Jesus um, in every sphere of life. That is what is most important, that we would present this good news of the gospel to the world and that they would see us ourselves genuinely living by it and drawing hope from it. 
Yeah, appreciate you sharing that uh, that broad view <laughs> across ten years and more. I mean, many of your many of the things that are percolating up in your thoughts now really have God has been at work in you to work those those emphases, those desires, far more than the last ten years. I do believe that. Um, so, as one of the things we want to offer on the podcast are resources to recommend to the congregation. Uh, so do you have, this hasn't been as directly a, uh, let's look at this scripture, let's look at that scripture, kind of a podcast. Uh, so what, what would you offer as a book recommendation for our congregation? Yeah, I'd offer two on the same subject. Um, the first is uh, J.C. Ryle's, it's, a, it's actually a collection of books called his Expository Thoughts on the Gospels. Um, don't let that big word throw you off or anything else. He actually wrote these um, for people in the church. It's not just for pastors. And so I'd say, you know, you don't have to pick up the whole series. Go just go buy the Matthew one. And uh, it's just one volume. It's not even that thick. Next time you're reading through Matthew, you know, read through the Bible first, of course, always, and then save some time and open up Ryle and read what he says on any given passage. Um, he's one of those wonderful Victorian uh, pastors. He was Bishop of Liverpool at the end of his life, who, who writes in this wonderful way. Um, he's incredibly readable. It's, he's just a delight to read. And it's because of that that he's almost kind of sneaky, right? You're reading and it's wonderful. And then you realize, oh, wow, he's also really blunt, but in a, in a, in a good literary way of, I can't just read this and walk away. I, I must be changed by the scriptures. When, when Jesus calls people to follow him, I, I can't just nod my head and agree. I I have to do that. I have to figure out how I'm going to do that. Ryle will equip you with some answers on how to do that well. Um, and then my my second recommendation would just be, uh, there's a biography, there's several, but one in particular of uh, Ryle that I would recommend uh, by a guy named uh, Eric Russell um, about J.C. Ryle and his life. Um, his life is far more fascinating than you might think. I mean, you think, okay, he's a pastor. You know, what do they do all day? Um, J.C. Ryle was born into an incredibly wealthy, influential family who then, through some family tragedy, lost just about everything um, right around the time when he was going to university. So he should have been in, in parliament or he was being groomed towards that. And his whole life radically changed. And as you go through his life, you find that this is a man who is well acquainted with hardship and with suffering. Um, he was married three times, and that's because his first two marriages ended um, after just a few years each when these very young uh, wives of his died um, in, in some tragic circumstances. And so it's amazing to me that you get this man who can write with such joy, such fervent joy. And yet he's been there. He knows that life is no cakewalk. So highly recommended. Pick either one of those. You won't go wrong. Um, it'll be well worth your time. Is Ryle one of your uh, secret heroes? 
He is. Yeah. If you want to know a lot of a lot of what's influenced me as a pastor outside of the Bible, um, J.C. Ryle and D.A. Carson would easily be the two men who have who have influenced me most. Well, we appreciate you, Pastor, opening up and giving us a little view into your your mind and your heart. Uh, we and for the book recommendations, uh, if you if you don't if you can't afford to uh, buy a volume to try it out, I have paperback volumes of Ryle's expository thoughts. If you want to borrow one to look through it, I'm happy to loan it to you. You just have to ask. And I should point out, um, his volumes are in the church library as well. So yes. grab one if you need to. Yes, absolutely. So we want to leave you with an ending quotation. Uh, it's Spurgeon again. I just can't get away from the man. Um, he's an English pastor. I've read a fair amount of his stuff. Uh, and this quotation is not selected, knowing where pastor would go with this discussion. But it really does dovetail well with the emphases that, that have been discussed today. And this is part of a, of a sermon that Spurgeon preached before he was leaving on a trip. So he was trying to offer some, some thoughts and blessings to his congregation since he, was, he would be parted from them for a while. And here's what he says. Christianity never came into the world to make individual professors of it isolated like the icebergs which float away on the wide sea in solitary terribleness. Neither is it intended that we should be so anxious for our own salvation as to be indifferent to the welfare of others. God in his grace gathers together in one body in Christ Jesus all his scattered ones, and the same spirit who constrains us to love God leads us to love our brother also. We appreciate you listening to Crosstalk, following Jesus together. May God bless you.